WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. There are certain lines from horror films that are indelible. There's, here's Johnny from The Shining. Jigsaw told his victims, I want to play a game in Saw. And then there's this one. What's your favorite scary movie? That's a 1996 quote from Ghostface, the infamous slasher of the Scream franchise who returns in the latest installment, Scream 6, set right here in our fair city. That's right, the knife-wielding psycho plans to carve his way through the Big Apple. In the new film, our protagonists and survivors of the latest Woodsboro, California killings, Sam, Tara, Mindy, and Chad, left their quiet West Coast town to reinvent themselves. There's only one problem. No one escapes Ghostface. The killer follows them to NYU, their apartment, the bodega, the subway. Early reviews of the film have noted its slightly darker tone. A variety review states, In Scream 6, Ghostface is far from coy. He burst right into the center of scenes, attacking Sam and Tara in a bodega. The cashier has a shotgun, but that's not enough to stop him. Scream 6 premieres in theaters this Friday, March 10th. The filmmaking trio Radio Silence took on the franchise for Scream 5. They are also known for the horror films VHS and Devil's Do. Today, Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli... The director, Spellinelli Open, am I saying it right? Bettinelli Open, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Are with us now. Tyler, Matt, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Honored to be here. Hey, listeners, are you a super fan of the Scream franchise? Our phone lines are open to you. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. Maybe you want to tell us what's your favorite. Have you scre- seen Scream 5? Do you plan on seeing Scream 6 in theaters? What questions do you have for the directors? Give us a call. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC, or you can reach out on social media at all of it, WNYC. Okay, were you guys listening? Did you hear Parker Posey? <laughs> we did. We are Parker Posey fans. We are. <laughs> we love Jennifer Jolie and hope that there's more story for her character. <laughs> you heard it. She's a, she's game. She was fully game. I just want to put that out in the universe <laughs> that Parker Posey is game to come back to the Scream franchise. Um, Fun fact: There's a little bit of an Easter egg, a nod to Jennifer Jolie. Uh, for people who are paying very close attention uh, on the marquee of the theater in the third act of this movie. Good to know. Love a good Easter egg. Um, Matt, how did you get involved? How did this team get involved with the Scream franchise? Uh, We had all made a movie together called Ready or Not with the producers and the writer. 
And it, 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 it weirdly fell into our lap because we had such a good, good time together on that one. And the tone is kind of similar. We all come, we're all giant scream fans. So it's weird how scream sort of led us to our careers and then our careers led us back to scream. Tyler, what was something that you were a fan of, of the scream franchise? Oh man, I don't even know where to start. I think for us, what ultimately solidifies it as, as one of the greats is its unique tone. Mm. Um, and it's something that I think, uh, in so many ways, you know, we've drafted off the blueprint of that first scream our entire career. I think that, you know, aiming to hit that balance of terrifying, funny, deeply emotional, like all of all of that is um, is something we aim to achieve in all of our work. Thanks to thanks to Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson's, you know, scream. It, it, it shaped us and our taste in some really profound ways. Matt, what was something you thought we can bring? You know what? Let's bring something new. Let's introduce something new. Let's respect the past, honor the past, but also take it forward. I think that was for us on this one. That was the characters. You know, we kind of we got to introduce them on Scream Five, but in this one, we feel like the, this new group of characters and actors. We really got to all kind of dig in and get into like the deeper emotional stuff and understand where they're coming from and where they're going. And that that I think was the the really exciting thing for us on this. Tyler, for someone who's not necessarily a horror movie, fa- horror movie fan, might be thinking like, what are they talking about the emotional lives, the deeper, <laughs> the deeper thoughts? If you wouldn't mind sharing just in terms of, of filmmaking, why that's really important for a successful film, for a successful horror film? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, uh, everything is scarier when you love and care about the people who are going through hell, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of the goal. And so for us, I think the, the kind of hack for these movies, the tonal hack for these movies is really making you care. And for us, it's it's in the making you care that you also get those moments of levity. You get those moments of really grounded character-based humor that makes you care and really sympathize with the characters. And then of course, if you love them, it's so hard to watch them go through something through something terrifying. We are talking about Scream 6, which is going to be in theaters on March 10th. My guest arts directors, Tyler Gillette and Matt bettinelli Open. Our phone lines are open if you are a fan of the Scream franchise. 212-433-9692. 212-433-WNYC. Have you seen Scream 5? Do you plan on seeing Scream 6 in theaters? What do you like about the franchise? Maybe you have a question for its directors. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC, or reach out on social media at all of it, WNYC. Okay, so let's talk about the film being set in New York City. <laughs> Why New York City? I mean, a, a number of reasons. I think for us, you know, the previous film is set in the familiar little sleepy suburb of Woodsboro. And for us, I think that um, the franchise was just ready to sort of be challenged in a new way. And, you know, credit to Guy and Jamie. It was it was the first thing that we learned about this sequel when we were going into it, that it was going to be in a new setting. And our 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 heads exploded. We were so excited <laughs> about the, the number of possibilities that that new location could present. And, you know, New York is such an iconic city um, and people are so familiar with it. Not only the sort of cinematic history of New York, but I mean, it's a city that we've visited countless times and and is is so so specific and we love so dearly and so it felt like there was just a whole a whole different universe of possibilities to explore in in the set pieces and and just in the the overall kind of tone and feel of what this movie could be. Yeah, Matt, what did you see in the opportunities to set 
a horror film in New York City, specifically this one? You know, there's the 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 being afraid in public was a big mm-hmm. part of it. The, the places that are traditionally safe, like the bodega, or I don't know how safe subways necessarily always are, <laughs> mm-hmm. but <laughs> the idea that hopefully you're safe in a crowd. I mean, that's something that we got to really play with. And then also just the verticality, you know, getting, you know, in Woodsboro, it's they're all one, two story buildings here. We were able to let's go up five, six floors and see how that plays into it. And uh, so we want really want to make sure that we took took the time to uh, to not just like throw Woodsboro into the city, but mm-hmm. to really make sure that all of the set pieces and the action in this were specific to New York. Yeah, Tyler, I'm going to follow up on that. I thought when I when I heard this, I was like, like, New York's not scary enough, you guys. Come on. <laughs> we, we, you know, you can have a you can have the best day ever in New York City and you can have the worst day ever in New York City. What were some of the sort of New York City scary stuff that you thought we can feed this in and this will help tell this story? I mean, I think we definitely went back and watched, you know, a bunch of our favorite movies that are set in New York. And and obviously I, the, the sort of identity of that city is represented in a variety of different mm-hmm. ways in, in movies. And I think for us, it was really just about trying to capture the energy of, of the city. Um, and I, I think, you know, Matt had alluded to it, but this idea of feeling isolated, even when you're surrounded by this, this very kind of boisterous, energetic population. Um, there's something really interesting to us about telling a story of four survivors who are trying to move on by becoming kind of invisible in the crowd mm-hmm. and never thinking that the thing, the, the horrible thing that visited them in their small hometown is going to follow them to the big city. Um, there was something just so so chilling in that idea of, of being... Um, you know, of the impossible happening. Uh, and and so we, we, you know, we really took pains to kind of represent that as much as we could in these in these sequences. You know, it's, it's funny. We were on our Slack channel for our, our, our team and people were like, there's these the ghost faces all over the city. I'm not happy about this. It's freaking me <laughs> out. There's one in the seaport. There's one in the subway entrance. This is really starting to, to get to me. Um, and I think the subway one is the one that really seems that idea of you being underground, you being stuck, you being closed in. And people have seen it in the trailer. Um, Tyler, talk to us a little bit about that particular scene and what you wanted to accomplish with it. At least the one we've seen in the trailer because we haven't seen the film yet. They're understandably yeah, being I mean, tight, tight with screeners. <laughs> I look, we we loved we loved the idea of you know of, of setting of really steering into the idea of claustrophobia and paranoia mm-hmm. in that sequence, and of course, um, setting setting this movie on Halloween was a big part of that, right? The sort of fun of not only seeing multiple ghost faces in the crowd, but seeing all of the you know, slasher icons of of the past and present represented. Mm-hmm. In costume, uh, and and basically making that subway feel like a like a fun house of horrors. We we talked a lot about it, just being this um this kind of wild, almost fantastical, like almost cosmic kind of experience. You know, we really get to heighten things, and um and I think that there was just uh there's a different kind of scare happening in that sequence than I think you know we've seen we've seen in in a scream movie i think the closest thing that's been represented in the franchise so far is the opening of two which takes place in a movie theater where everybody's dressed in mm-hmm. a ghost face mask and we really loved the idea of playing with that sense of of anonymity and the uh the the idea that it could be anybody behind the mask and um you know really really building that sequence to service that was was the the goal for us thanks a lot 
appreciate that. Sorry. Nighttime, and apologies. Night, <laughs> Nighttime <laughs> so white writing. Really great. My guests are director Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli, excuse me, Olfen. We are talking about Scream 6. We'll have more after a quick break. This is all of it. You're listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. My guests this hour are directors Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli Open. We are talking about Scream 6, which comes out tomorrow. They are the directors in the film. Let's talk a little bit about character developments. When you guys took over the franchise, uh, we were introduced to Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega as sisters in this film. Jenna blown up hugely since um, Wednesday. So great in that. Um, there's a new cop on the scene, too, Dermot Mulroney, playing Detective Bailey. Matt, uh, who is Detective Bailey in this film? Uh, Detective Bailey is sort of the spiritual, you know, follow-up to Dewey, who, unfortunately, well, no spoil. Well, it just came out a year ago. Dewey didn't, didn't, didn't things make, didn't work out well. Didn't go well for Dewey. Very sad. <laughs> and, but, you know, that kind of, that, 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 authority figure is a real tenet of the Scream movies. And so Dermot's sort of stepping into that role. He's a small town cop. He's from the Midwest and he moves to the big city with his daughter. Um, and, and, you know, Dermot, Dermot was really just to able to embody that, like that Midwest cop in the big city thing. And, and it, it really, it brought, it brought a sense of Dewey into this one too, which we really loved. And Tyler, who are some of the familiar characters that come aboard for Scream 6 that, fans of the franchise will recognize. Well, you certainly will recognize Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, mm -hmm. the legendary Courtney Cox. And then, of course, we've brought back uh, Kirby Reed, played by Hayden Panettiere, who, mm -hmm. who is just, I, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. We've met all of our heroes and we love them all so dearly. Hayden's no exception. It was such a joy. It was such a joy to work with her on this movie. How do you keep up there's like a whole universe going on <laughs> over the course of all of these screen films. How do you keep up on them? How do you think about them interacting with one another, calling back when you're when you're thinking about um, when you're thinking about this film? Because there are some people who will come to it just as this film, but there are also people who come to it with a whole history. Yeah, we take a lot of time to make sure that that, that this movie really plays as a standalone. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go back and understand all that history, that's great. But I think for us, it's really important to make sure that this, the way that this story unfolds and these characters are introduced, if you're watching it fresh, that's fine. You don't need all that backstory. But if you have it all, it's also very fun. Tyler, what is, I mean, we know the sort of the, the slasher part of it, the horror part of it. In Scream 6, what is the tension? What's the emotional tension in between whom? Um, I, you know, the emotional tension in this movie, we think the kind of the beating heart at the center of this story is really the Carpenter sisters played by Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. Um, you know, this this story finds them uh, very recently after the events of Scream 5. And they're in they're both and all of the characters really are in that kind of messy stage of dealing with the events of the last movie and um, and figuring out how to move on. Um, also how to be in each other's lives in a way that's in a way that's supportive, but also in a way that sort of affirms their independence. And we think that at the end of the day, that's really what's so relatable about this movie, uh, that the sister story at the core of it is something that um, we're, we're so proud of. We took so we took so much pains to protect that. It's it's in a big slasher like this. Mm -hmm. It's sort of easy to just speed through the emotional stuff 
and just get to the, you know, the sparkly things. And for us, the emotional, the emotional moments in this movie are really the sparkly things. As we sort of said earlier, it kind of is what makes everything around everything around it matter. When does that happen in the filmmaking process? When do you have to stop and slow down? Is it in the editing room? Is it when you're looking at the dailies? I'm curious, like when you have that revelation, like, wait a minute, we need to come back and invest in the emotional story. It starts with the script. Uh, and when we read the script, you know, I think that's the stuff that really we latch on to. And then when you're shooting it, I think it's the the actors, you know, they're, they love all the big action stuff. Everybody wants to do their own stunts, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I think those quiet emotional scenes where the characters really get to grow, those are the things that everybody's really, really, really great at naturally. And then, you know, throughout the edit, it's just making sure that we can find the right pace and hold on to that correctly. So it's it's an ongoing process, but it but it starts with the script. Without giving too much away, what are some of the tactics that this group uses to try to survive Ghost's face? <laughs> Maybe ones that are very New York specific. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the one the one that really comes to mind right off the bat is um the latter sequence obviously won't give anything away but one of the fun parts of designing that sequence was putting our putting our characters in a situation that's that's seemingly inescapable and the only way out is to do this is this harrowing climb across a 16 foot <laughs> a 16 mm-hmm. foot uh you know air shaft in between apartment buildings that that to us was um it's one of a handful, but maybe the most, uh, the subway, obviously very New York specific, but that was another one that just felt like we can't wait for New York audiences to see this. Obviously the idea of being neighbors and being able to see into each other's apartments across the way is like such a, it's such a city specific thing. And we loved, um, we loved really playing with all of the ingredients of that in that sequence. Wanted to ask about Mindy, the character. She's sort of survivalist of the group, and she's a horror expert, and she knows her stuff. She explains the difference between sequels and requels and franchises. Um, I'm going to ask you, Matt, for those who don't know the difference, a sequel, a requel, and a franchise. Uh, well, a sequel is, I guess, the movie after. You know, we all, mm. we all, I think we all know what a sequel is, but then the requel is sort of what our last movie was, where we're recreating we're restarting a thing but it's not quite a reboot you're kind of picking up but it's been a long time mm-hmm. so it's sort of a requel <laughs> i mean a sequel but it's sort of a reboot it's somewhere in between and then now we're into franchiseville where this is movie six they're all tied there's one story that leads through the whole thing and ties all of this together and you can really blow the roof off <laughs> so Tyler, yeah. oh wait tell me say more about that blow the roof off no, look, I think that, you know, our, it feels like by the sixth movie and in, in all of our favorite franchises, you know, you can you can tell that uh, you, that you just have to sort of creatively challenge the material in a different way. And mm. for us, that meant that we could go to a place that's a little bit more a little bit more bonkers, a little bit crazier. Um, and that for us is I think it's the fun of being a part of a franchise is that you get to maybe take risks that, you know, you you wouldn't take on film number two or even film number five, by the way. It feels mm-hmm. like we're entertaining ourselves as much as we're trying to entertain the audience with this movie. <laughs> In some of the reviews people have seen it um, that I read. And you can both respond to this, Matt, that it's darker in tone. People come are coming back to that being a little bit darker. Yeah. Do you understand what they mean, what they're talking about? I think so. Yeah. We, you know, that's something that we talked about. We didn't we didn't talk about it necessarily as 
like a darkness, but we did talk about it as we want to make this a little grittier, a little rawer, and that goes down to the way that we shot it. Mm-hmm. It goes down to the 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 way that when it was blocked, the performances, everything kind of led to this. And I think it really comes from the, the foundation of shooting, you know, a, a movie set in New York City, and wanting to kind of thematically tie all of that. But there is this like. There's a relentlessness to this and a grittiness that I think isn't that present in the previous Scream movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we really we try to lean into that, you know, and that's really, really, really embodied in this one by the Ghostface character. It's a new ghost face in this one. It's definitely not the ghost face from the previous five movies. Not your father's ghost face. Um, yeah. We've got uh, from Twitter somebody who's handless. This is awesome. Angela Bassett um, says, Hi, <laughs> big slasher fan. My favorite scary movie is Halloween. Scream is very near to my heart, though. My question is, was there any pressure directing such a large franchise after Wes Craven? By the way, I've loved every Scream thus far. A, a ton of pressure. Mm-hmm. I think if you'd asked us the day before we were told that we were going to read the script for five, we would have said under no circumstance are we going to are we going <laughs> to drop into this world and like stand on the shoulders of that particular giant. I mean, he's yeah, Wes's work has influenced us in so so many profound ways. But we read the script uh, for five and we were floored by by how good it felt it felt like a balance Hmm. of nostalgia and it was also something totally new and then you know the people that we that we assembled to go and make it with um the the same crew that we'd worked you know worked previously with uh, it just starts to take shape and and you realize yeah it's 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 terrifying but it's also full of possibility when it's designed right and it just felt like it was designed right from the start for us so yeah terrifying but also like wildly exciting we we're, we pinch ourselves every day that we get to be a part of this franchise what do you think matt you want to weigh in on that the, the any pressure yeah i mean you know tyler pretty much said it all but i will say that 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 pressure is also something that we kind of you know us the cast felt it the mm-hmm. crew felt it i think it also came with like a reverence for the for the material that made us all really just make sure that we didn't mess it up and make sure that you us as fans and as creators, we were able to kind of funnel both of those things into the movie so that the that both the movies that we've made have been really just made with love. And that that mm-hmm. for us, it's funny to say that about a violent slasher movie. But, you know, the the core of all of these movies, because they are they're not about the killer. They're about the survivors. And so there is like this deep, deep love that runs through it, both in the making of it and what you see on screen. You know, the Scream films are often noted for their humor and social commentary as well. Tyler, how did you think about the evolution of that kind of that element of the screen films of the Scream films, the horror and the social commentary? The comedy, yeah, I mean, I, me, comedy and social commentary. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that we love so much about all of the films in this franchise that there's such a snapshot of the moment in time when they were created. And mm. I think it's one of the unique one of the unique things, ingredients in the DNA of these movies is that um, they're so they're so aware of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're so aware of where they fit in the conversation. And they really are, I think, at the end of the day, um, always trying to have a conversation about the state of the genre, the state of movies, the state of fan culture and pop culture. And that is just such a fun and fertile creative place to 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 play in. It's it's the idea that you can make a movie that in so many ways is trying to reach through the screen and tell the audience like we are aware of 
what's happening. We are aware of mm. your life and what you consume and your expectations. There's just something so much fun about the proximity of uh, between the audience and the movie with this franchise. And so it can't help but be contemporary if it's designed right, because it's it will always be a reflection of contemporary opinions and, and where we're sort of at in, in the state of the genre. And we get an extra layer of that here in New York City. Okay, buckle up, New York. Tomorrow, Scream 6 hits theaters. I've been speaking with its directors, Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli-Olpin. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Allison. Thank it's been you. so fun. Hey, everybody, we've announced our Get Lit with all of its selection for March, and now we're excited to announce our musical guest, too. Remember, we are reading the highly anticipated new release, I Have Some Questions for You, by Pulitzer Prize finalist Rebecca Mackay. You might know her from her acclaimed last novel, The Great Believers. This novel follows a podcaster named Bodhi, who gets drawn into an investigation into a tragedy from her past, the murder of her former roommate at an elite New Hampshire boarding school. The school's athletic trainer was convicted years ago, but there's more as she digs. Bodhi starts to wonder whether he was really the killer. And she also begins to realize she might have been sitting on key evidence in the case. You can get an e-copy of I Have Some Questions for You, New Yorkers You Can, thanks to our partners at the New York Public Library. And Mac Rebecca Mackay will join us for our live event on Tuesday, March 28th. Tickets are free. And you can grab them now by heading to wnyc.org slash get lit. Okay, now for the musical guest of the evening. Since the novel transports Bodie back to her memories of mid-90s adolescence in New Hampshire, we've invited a singer-songwriter who was emerging from the New England music circuit right around that time. Our March Get Lit musical guest is Dar Williams. Yeah, there was a time I didn't like the love, I liked the climate. Was no sister then Was running out of time When one minus And I was afraid Like you are When you're too young To know the diamond And so I watched the way you Take your fear And pour the horizon the point You have a word For every woman You can lay your eyes on Like you are Just because You bought the time the now Hudson Valley-based musician Dar Williams will join us on Tuesday, March 8th to play some songs live at our Get Lit event with author Rebecca Mackay. Once again, tickets are free and you can grab them now by heading to wnyc.org slash get lit and follow us on Instagram at all of it WNYC for book club updates. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.